Let's uh, let's quickly be pessimistic. Plank show right here on the ref. Yeah, we've only got nine months to do this. Well, we we did our top five reasons for optimism for Sooner fans. I promised every hour, but listen, the the Air Comfort Solutions text line calls got away from us an hour or two. And then, of course, I'm I'm now seeing that the Seattle Seahawks player running on the field during the interception return is starting to gain a little traction. <laughs> Do you see that video? No, that sounds great though. On, on the very on literally, I I almost just stopped watching the game, but on Derek Carr's first pass on Sunday, he was picked off. Yeah, and he had Devontae Adams wide open, and he sailed him. And I guess a player on the sideline thought like that, it was like a punt or something. Thought the play was over. And like he kind of started to run out of the field, and then whenever he realized the play was in motion, he just started blocking. <laughs> oh my goodness! So were they penalized? No. <laughs> what? No one noticed it until after the game, and there are some people like, no, he was he was already out there, and literally like the the Raider fan that found it had circled the guy standing on the sideline watching the play. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he sees the interception, and it's like he goes running out on the field, and he's like, oh, place in life. I'm just going to start blocking people. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, it's like my greatest – sometimes your your mind will do weird things. And in my mind, I'm like, gosh, if I saw a guy just running with no one near him, I hope my body wouldn't want to just jump off this sideline and try to tackle him. And I just wonder if, like, his mind is like, you know, in retrospect. I would bounce right off the guy, too, by the way. First off, that's just hilarious. But (laughs) secondly, in retrospect, that probably was the perfect way to approach it. Yeah. Because if you go sprinting back off the field, then all of a sudden. Flag flies. Yeah, flag flies. But if you just act like, hey, I'm supposed to be blocking on this deal. Our top five reasons for optimism. You ready? Schmitty. Quarterback back another year. For those of you that freak out because of uh, Dylan Gabriel's post-game comments, all right, well, then you had Nick Evers. It's been in the system for a year, and you're bringing in Jackson Arnold, as well as the 18 other quarterbacks on this roster. Positive reason number three, Big 12 wants OU to win. That's right. <laughs> another year in the system, right? Number three, another year in the defensive system to understand. Um, I, I know it's funny. I mentioned Danny Stutzman as a positive, and inevitably you'll get – well, where was he on this plane? What happened here? I'm just going to tell you guys, and, and this is this is a hard thing for some of us to accept, but you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to screw things up. And I still think – I don't have the snap count in front of me, Josh. We'll save it for later because I don't want you to have to go digging, but I think Danny Stutzman is on a run of like six straight games where he played every snap. So – yeah, I I would take those mistakes that are going to happen where it seems like they're overshadowed by some of the, the positives. That's me. Now, I know everyone gets mad about post-game comments and and guys say, we got to go back and fix it. And it's like, well, what do you fix it? It's over. It's done. Right? I, I get that. I understand it. That's. But I'd much rather have that mindset um, of we're going to get better and with the talent that he appears to have than just being like, Everything sucks. We're terrible. We should never have been six and six. I think that I should be publicly shamed. I mean, is that what you guys want? And we have message boards in this radio show's text line for that. So I I see that as a positive. Well, they they shouldn't take that approach. Right. They should expect to be better than six and six, sure. Right. But I, I think the the number one positive that we keep coming back to is 
look, they've got a full year of, of Brent, right? They've got a full year of this coaching staff. And in that, there's the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there's a lot of game tape that they can go back through and say, okay, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? And, and that has to be a big reason for optimism, right? Is yeah. All of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. I, um, what else did I have here? A wide receivers coach coming in, right? Uh, recruiting class, young core. We're giving you more than seven, but that's kind of the gist of the list. So let's get the top five negativity out of the way, all right? Because you know me, I'm a positive, glass-half-full kind of a guy. Um, here's here's the, the top five concerning side. I mentioned recruiting as being a positive, right? But what if that class continues to get dinged, right? Anthony Evans, did that become official over the weekend? Yeah. Okay. Going to Georgia now. We've seen a couple defensive guys. So protecting that recruiting class, it suddenly becomes problematic with six and six and gives you a reason for negativity slash pessimism. Number two, the potential for some coaching turnover here and not the kind that you guys want. Everyone thinks everyone thinks like Ted Roof should go. Guys, I'm not I'm not so sure that Coach Venables isn't calling the defense from the side. I mean, I again I'm not so sure that's not the case. So, I don't know. My coaching turnover concerns is, but what if someone comes calling for Bill Beanbow? What if, what if you're in a situation where someone wants to make DeMarco Murray an offensive coordinator? I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't. I like DeMarco. I love DeMarco Murray. Let me rephrase that. But there was nobody, and I mean nobody, I saw on that sideline that was holding dudes up to a standard like DeMarco was. If you're walking to a huddle when everyone's coming together, guess who's going to be there to make sure that you're going? DeMarco Murray. So, I don't know. Joe John Finley. Joe John Finley is considered one of the brightest offensive coordinator candidates in the country right now. He's done a great job on the Cruton Trail. Did I mention Beanbow already? What about Todd Bates? So, again. That coaching turnover where people are coming after your assistants. I know. I see you pinning your text right now. Six and six. Who would want our coaches? A lot of people. Um, I added the old, well, what if what if Brent's just not cut out to be a coach? All right, there's a reason for pessimism. There was some strategic mistakes that were made this year. Yeah, just six and six in general. Yeah. Right? right? You can ask that. And reason for pessimism. The inability to consistently convert on third downs, thus giving Brent Venables the confidence to go for it on fourth down more often, even though Oklahoma went for it a lot on fourth down, and I loved it. So, I mean, there's more. All I have to do is refresh this little button on the Air Comfort Solutions text line to help me out on that front. There's more. I get it. But I guess more than anything else, you're looking at a situation that, in my mind, would have more pessimism than optimism. Just to be honest with you. Not my feeling, not the way I look at it, but I don't think that the uh sunshine pumpers, if you will, I don't think that the I don't think that the overly enthusiastic people are gonna win out over the doomers. Or as uh Sean said, those who live on a unicorn ranch. That's just me. Well, and can I add a couple? Sure. Oh absolutely. So what we're here for, Josh I think, just generally speaking, did Oklahoma improve, right? And if your answer to that is 
marginally or no, then that would be probably for a lot of people a reason for pessimism, right? And I, I was all set, right? All set. Go beat Texas Tech, play well again defensively. Hey, this team, I'm not totally ready to tell you they've turned a corner, but it looks like they were around the corner and, and turning around the other side. But you can't say that. You can't feel that way now. The uh, improvement that we thought you saw, a lot of that unfortunately eroded and evaporated in Lubbock. And that was kind of one of the storylines going in. So there's that. And then I would just say, again, in sort of a general sense, defensively, it, I, I know it's year one, and I trust that this defensive staff will get this defense to play better, but you have to be on some level concerned that a defensive-minded head coach in Brent Venables with all of the track record of success that he had, why did they finish at this point 100th in scoring defense and 120th in total defense? That's alarming. Very, very alarming. I uh, I would put that under cause for concern, reasons for pessimism. Can I make what might be an unpopular statement? <laughs> you may, yes. I, I, kind of, I kind of thought they played better down the stretch, which seems a, it seems to make no sense based on the score of a few games. But defensively, they did, yeah, and I, if. If things in the second quarter and beyond, from the, about the six-minute mark on, played out differently defensively in Lubbock, Plank, the conversation would be, I think, all offseason, even independent of the bowl game, hey, this defense has started improving. Regardless of what the total defense and scoring defense numbers look like, this defense played better. Unfortunately, again, you, you lose a little bit of that in Lubbock. Um, a lot of people are, are on the levy bandwagon I had just heard from Crystal on the super secret textoso line about Jeff Levy and I just I don't I don't think there's a way he's going anywhere I mean he's one of the main reasons Jackson Arnold is coming here so if you're in the if you're in the fire Jeff Levy camp then you're probably in the man it, it was cool to have that five-star quarterback committed for a while I just and Jeff Levy this isn't a Larry Fedora, Dave Aranda type of a situation, right? This is this is not where Brent Venables needs to make a move after one year on that front. I thought I thought Levy continued to learn. I know that people are really hot about the wide receiver pass that got Gabriel. Oh, what a pass! What a ball! Uh, Brazil and Switzerland are still scoreless right now. Brazil had a great cross that just missed. And I understand people are hot about that play. It's really the only positive play that came in the overtime offensively for the Sooners, even though Gabriel got knocked out for one play. But I think Jeff, Coach Levy, was in a unique situation where he'd always worked with offensive-minded coaches. So, sure, he was calling plays, but in certain situations you had – Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and he had hype when he was at UCF. He had Art Bryles whenever he was at Baylor. These are all offensive-minded coaches that if – and again, he wasn't an offensive coordinator at, at Baylor, but, you know, he was the guy. He was it. Now, he had Joe John Finley that he had worked with, and obviously you've got great minds in there and Bill Beatonbow and DeMarco Murray, among others. But you know, I, I do think 
that that is kind of a place where maybe maybe the Sooners really missed Kale Gundy this season to have another experienced voice in there. And I just, I'm not someone who's panicking over Jeff Levy. I think he's going to be fine. I think he learned a lot. I think he's going to get better from it. I really think, I really think they're going to have a fire offense next year. But again, like Sean would challenge me or many of you would say, well, what tells you that? Eric Gray is gone. You just mentioned it. Four or five starting offensive linemen are going to be gone. We don't know what the receiver position is going to look like. Okay. It's kind of like air. I can't show you how air is made, but I know it's going to be there. I just I trust the development. I trust the development uh, of if Jaden Gibson sticks around. I trust the development of Nick Anderson to be playmakers. I trust the development of Bill Biedenboe of these offensive line guys. I trust the maturation and growth of Jeff Levy. That's me. And really, see how I turn it from pessimism to optimism? That's what we do here on the Plank Show. Let's go. A transformation. Boom. <laughs> really, offensively, by and large, you were pretty good. I know that in spots, the in-game management was questionable, and that has to be addressed, and it has to be improved. Play calling, I think we're going to do this song and dance with every yeah. single offensive coordinator ever. Until the end of time. We did it. He's regarded as one of the brightest offensive minds. And look what he's doing with a quarterback like Caleb Williams in Los Angeles. Same song and dance with Lincoln Riley. Play calling at times, right? Offensive Mm -hmm. coordinators, we are always never going to be completely satisfied. That being said, I think generally speaking, it was more good than bad offensively. And unfortunately, what Oklahoma fans went through this season is you, you didn't have Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray to bail you out. Right. You didn't have Jalen Hurts to bail you out. You didn't have Caleb Williams at times to bail you out, and we saw that at the end of the game uh, on, Saturday, on Saturday versus Texas Tech where C.J. Colton makes the play and any other time in the past. Ball game. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Caleb Williams, they're probably taking you into the end zone. You didn't see that. Though on, in, in a general sense, on a general level, offensively, this was a pretty good team, right? In spots, could they be better on third down? Sure. Uh, play calls, game management, all of that probably look in the mirror, improve. This was not a bad Oklahoma offense. Jeff Levy's not going anywhere, and there should be reasons for optimism that that can continue to improve. Here's, here's an interesting um, – and by the way, I just want to make this very clear. No one is saying anyone should be fired. We're pushing back against that, so – and I know you jump in at different times throughout the day. Not everyone can sit here and hang out with us for three hours like well, we can. Even though if your boss doesn't let you listen while you're working, you need to quit that job. Okay? You need to find something else. Indeed. That's sarcasm. Please don't quit your job. Uh, I think it's a little quick, right, to 405. Uh, a little quick to the trigger to say they need to fire someone after year one. Maybe forgive Kale Gundy and bring him back and see where we are a year from now. Not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Clearwater sooner. Interesting. Mims pointing to the many changes Venables made as the reason for a bad season. All right. I think you took that out of context, Clearwater sooner. Can we play that clip? Let's play it when we come yeah. back. I've got it here. I'll, I'll play it for you. But I think that – I and, and, again, I understand that uh, all Sooners – uh, Hoove and all Sooners wrote it, but – I, I, I think that there was a little bit of out of context with it, and I think there's a part of me that is very much like the meme that goes around with the comic, and he says, 
good. I I hope. I hope it was hard. I do. I don't want if you're changing culture and it's it's easy, are you really changing culture? If you're changing a mindset, everyone's like, dude, this is cake. Are you really doing your job? Hell yeah, it's supposed to be hard. That's what it is. Um it, here it is. Let, let me let me read this and then you decide. I I just I feel like that if you're like, oh, is he blamed it all. That to me is taking it the wrong way. Um, quote, the biggest thing about him, it's just I wouldn't call it culture shock. But, you know, he brought a lot of things that players have to get adjusted to, especially Coach Schmitty. I mean, there's no, you know, teeter-tottering on the line and stuff like that. You got to do those things he wants you to do the ways he wants you to do them. Basically, that's the biggest thing. It's getting adjusted to that. I, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking from any of that. No. Um, Was there more to it? Sure. I got more. The hardest thing is with leadership and stuff like that, us older guys have gone out there and won games. But as far as through Coach Venables and the things he wants and the way he wants things to be done – it's hard to be leaders to that stuff when we're new to it. I feel like that was the biggest change this year. As far as summer workouts and stuff, we were all buying into Schmitty and can do all that. And then we get to the season where game planning is different, hotel situations might be different, how we travel, like how we do the meetings at the hotel. All that stuff is different. So it just takes some time getting adjusted to. Yeah, I mean – Again, he's not wrong, but USC had to get adjusted to doing things different. TCU had to get adjusted to doing things different, right? That's what you – Oregon had to point to getting things done. And by the way, for everyone that's like, gosh, look at Dan Landing, they are killing him today in Eugene. There is a booster that bought a like a $100,000 suite – at halftime of the game on Saturday before they blew it against Oregon State, and they're, like, going for the AD. They want the AD fired because they hired this guy. So, again. Well, I'd also like to know or hear the question that was asked. Right, but here's a little bit more. And I think this is actually – if I were to take something along the lines of Marvin Mims said the adjustment was challenging, here's the one quote that I would listen to and say, I think that's a good point. Right, and not questioning Marvin. But, I mean, honestly, it was a pretty rough adjusting with the night practice instead of morning practice, classes in the morning and lift in the morning, and then class, you come back and practice. It's definitely difficult, but, you know, it w- if it was easy, everybody would do it. At the end of the day, we went through it and we adjusted to it. You know, we just got more years to build on it as far as Coach Venables is going to be here. At the end of the day, we're the first group to go through it so I feel like there's a lot of learning that goes with the first group. We're just going to keep building and moving on from here. I've got the audio here. I'll play it for you. I mean, there's a little bit more there than, than just, oh, well, they're, the culture screwed them up. And I think Marvin Mims is saying, listen, it was a difficult adjustment, but it was something that is hard. And is expected. And is expected. Um, and we were the first to go through it, and <laughs> we were the first to go through it. 
right. Uh, you want a break? Sure. Well, yeah, we a, need to. It's eleven twenty-three already. Where did this? Where did this day go? And I would just encourage people out there to understand from a media savvy sense. Marvin was probably asked a question along the lines of, why was this difficult this year from a leadership standpoint? And that was the response that go. he gave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a – I don't want to – I'm not throwing any reporters under the bus or anything. I'm just no. saying that a lot of times the answers that these guys give, it was a either a loaded question or a leading question, and boom, you get the response that you get. So just keep that in mind. All right, quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, um, we'll dive into the Air Comfort Solutions text line, plus pop five, um, top five things that either need to continue to uh, improve or top five areas where you need to get better, top five things that need to be removed in order to get Oklahoma back to an elite level. That's the bottom of the hour right here on The Ref. Here's the, uh, here's the audio without me reading it from uh, – Think of, am I getting this from who? Yeah, allsooners.com, the article that I think Clearwater Sooner had referenced. Here's the uh, here's the setup, the question, and everything, Josh. H- here we go. you feel comfortable with kind of the foundation that was set here in the first year under Brent? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, the biggest thing about him is just, I don't want to call it culture shock, but, um, you know, he brought a lot of things that players have to get adjusted to, especially Coach Spinney coming back. I mean, there is no, you know, uh, to your toddler and on the line and stuff like that. I mean, you got to do the ways, the things, the things he wants to do the way you have to do them. And um, basically, the biggest thing is just us getting adjusted to that. You know, the hardest thing is with leadership and stuff like that. I mean, us older guys are going out there and won games, but as far as through Coach Venables and the things he wants and the ways he wants things to be done, I mean, it's hard to be leaders through that stuff when we're new to it too. Yeah. You know, I feel like that was the biggest change this year. As far as, you know, in the summer workouts and stuff, we're all buying into Schmidt and we can all do that. And then we get to the season where game planning is different. Uh, hotel situations might be different. How we travel, um, like how we do meetings at the hotel, all that stuff's different. So it just takes adjust- getting adjusted to. Is there times where there, it was just almost too much at one time, you think? Uh, definitely not. I mean, honestly, it was pretty rough, you know, yeah. adjusting to it sometimes, you know, with the night practice instead of morning practice sure. and classes in the morning and lift in the morning then class then come back and practice i mean it's definitely difficult but you know if it was easy you know everybody would do it and um you know, at the end of the day i mean we went through it we got adjusted to it uh, you know we've got more years to build on it as far as chris Venables is going to be here i mean at the end of the day i mean we're the first group to go through it so i feel like there's a lot of learning that goes with the first group but at the end of the day i mean we just got to keep building from here and it kind of got rough there at the end thanks uh who is who's his camera dude? I like him. In his name, Josh. Josh Calloway. Josh was down there, and it's it's not easy. It's different, and everyone has to go through it. And this is this is a it's hard because there's not anyone that's playing that was around when Brent Venables was here. Obviously, it was 15 years ago. Or, sorry, 11 years ago. And there's. No one that's like a Clemson transfer that's on this roster either. Like if, if my, knowing how different what Brent Venables is trying to do is, I it's just it might have helped if it might have helped if you had a couple of guys that had made the trip with him, if or even his son had made the trip and been on this on this staff, not staff on this roster. Maybe even if TD Roof had stayed healthy, I don't know. But it's a, it's a fair point. It's a lot of change. And you're being counted on to be a leader. Meetings are different. 
post-game is different. Pre-game is different. There's going to be a standard. And I think Coach Venables even said, you know, there's adjustments that you make. But, yeah, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. That's not something where I'm like, there's something wrong with the culture. I mean, even he's like, no, no, it's – I mean, it's an adjustment. Don't get me wrong, but it's just – it's something everyone's going to have to do. Uh, I don't foresee Marvin Mims back next year. I think he's got a really good chance to be a, a day two draft pick and once he works out, may, maybe a day one. But – Day two. Oh, you're just calling it now? Ball yeah. game. Yeah, day he, two. he will go no later than day two, but he won't go higher than day two. Um, I kind of am intrigued to see what NFL scouts think of him because he kind of reminds me of like the Alabama receivers that everyone was losing their minds about, though I don't know what he's going to run. And I don't even know – what kind of category he would be in for a for a forty yard dash? He's definitely not Quentin Johnston. He's definitely not Jordan Addison, but kind of in that mold of a Jordan Addison. We'll see. Um, but yeah, very very two. productive collegiate receiver at the Power Five level. He he's a proven commodity that second third round he's getting drafted. I wonder though how much some of the drops might hurt him, and maybe that's maybe that's why he's more of a second third day guy. But yeah, I. I like it. I like him. I've enjoyed getting to cover Marvin Mims. Now, he did say he was playing in the bowl game. You never know. Something could could happen, and that, you know, an agent gets to, and he's like, don't play in the bowl game. <laughs> I don't know. If you're, if you're declaring, don't play in the bowl game. But here, you know, we're sitting here at 11.33, and it's the Monday after the Oklahoma Sooner football season has come to an end. And I'm not seeing, like, newsy stuff that I thought I would see. What were you expecting? A handful of guys in the portal, you know, at least announcing it. Now, I know you can't – I know you can't um, officially, like, do anything yet. But I I don't know. Maybe I kind of thought that there might be a few guys that would be putting together their Twitter – Announcement, kind of like Davis Brin did for the University of Tulsa. But so far, I don't see anything. What would you say is the over-under of number of guys that matter, Josh Helmer, that matter? You seem like you're all over Theo Wees being in the portal. But of guys yeah, it you feels think like that there's could some be. buzz there. Oh, is there? Who would you say there's buzz around? Though Theo Wees had some really good things to say post-game on Saturday. Kind of blew my mind a little bit. I think there's going to be names like a Joshua Eaton, a DJ Graham, you know, guys that maybe you fell in love with in the recruiting process and maybe had a good good game or two, though I don't necessarily know if I would say that. Joshua Eaton had like one moment where Quentin Johnston mossed him against TCU, but, you know, names of the Micah Bowens of the world. Maybe. Unless DJ Graham feels like, you know, spring – fall camp next season that he could be a legit difference maker at wide receiver. A guy like a Theo Wees, maybe a Key Lawrence, right? I, I don't, I don't Hopefully know. Hopefully Wees comes back. It would be huge. I think it would be good. You know, and, and guy like the Bryson Washingtons that you never really ended up seeing this year, maybe those are guys that – but I just – I didn't know of names that, like, mattered if you thought we'd see anyone here today. And so far, nothing yet. 
Marcus Major. I don't know. You know, you start looking at the the depth chart. Major either never was really able to fully heal from that injury or just kind of lost his spot. I don't know. And what did we decide that uh... – when when can they start putting their name in the transfer Man, portal? I, you can put it in at any time. But it would be officialized when? The Monday after. Week the, from today? Right. Thank okay, you. that's what I thought. They took the calendar out of there, so I can't look up. And so, see. yeah, it, the, the day after the playoff basically is announced. Correct. Absolutely. Now, okay, Let me. can I pose one non-OU thing to you when we come back? I want to post a couple non-OU things from this weekend. Okay. Because we still owe you um, top five reasons how to build, how to you know get it right, and a lot from the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And, and I'm seeing a lot of this. Still in Gabriel staying put. He really didn't comment on next year post-game. I don't, I don't think anyone was thinking about next year post-game. I don't think anyone commented on next year and post-game. I think Marv- nor should they. I mean, you still got a bowl game to play. I think Marvin Mims basically said, "Yeah, I'm playing in the bowl," and that's about as much on next year that we got in the post game. Could have missed out, and if I did, that's fine. I mean, shoot, I was driving seven hours to get our five hours to get home after doing all the post game interviews. But and I, I don't think many people were all that worried about next year. All right, quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, let's dive into the Air Comfort Solutions text line and a couple of non OU but Big Twelve related questions next. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Appreciate you guys. Brazil has just taken a 1-0 lead over Switzerland in the 83rd minute after their first goal had been disallowed. Have we done a welfare check on England? Are they okay? (laughs) They were supposed to dominate the world. Never really panned out for them. In a lot of aspects, to be honest. I thought they Especially were in soccer. I thought they were good at this football thing. I have a very important question, and maybe children of the eighties can help me out. When did when did it go from being called Iran to Iran? Had we always been saying it wrong growing up? Or Probably. was this uh was this some sort of fundamental shift? It was the Iran Contra hearings whenever I was a kid, now it's Iran. But I'd be careful about the flag too, because we literally almost I mean, I'm I'm a little bit worried about tomorrow for reasons well beyond soccer. Sure. With the way that, I mean, they're acting about what it was like an honest mistake, I think. I don't think anyone went out and was like, you show them. You use a disrespectful flag here. I mean, I, I don't think anyone meant any harm by it, but woof, not going well right now. World Cup updates. Um, Brought to us by All-American Roofing. Thank you. Man. You want to? Um, yes, I would like to. Five reasons to get to being elite. Oh, um, is that what you wanted? No, I was going to say one quick non-five reasons to being elite. Yes, Uh, non-OU related, right? Non-OU related. First, Spencer Sanders in the transfer portal? Um, I don't know if Spencer Sanders is an NFL quarterback but I do think he would have a chance to get drafted in like the fifth or sixth round. Maybe. Look, I got news for you. If Bryce Perkins can play in the NFL, then Spitzer Sanders can play in the NFL. Oh, that's right. You watched that yesterday. How bad was it? <laughs> well, it, you know, it was fun to watch for me, but <laughs> I can't imagine a Rams fan would have enjoyed okay. it. Okay, but, I, you know, he's, he's not a 
starting quarterback probably in right. the NFL. But I think he could be, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round guy that gets a job eventually. I don't expect him to – I expect him to play one more year of college football, try and enhance that draft stock. And at, at this level, he's a desired commodity. I mean, this is someone that's played a lot of football, started a lot of football games, and is a pretty, pretty good college quarterback. Yep. Spencer Sanders didn't play on Saturday, but he did go through senior day festivities. Uh, Mike Gundy was asked if he was available, and he said, quote, I'm not sure really how to answer that anymore. It just depends on how he feels and kind of where our medical people are. It's not an injury that's black and white. It's a gray area, so you just kind of roll with it. Now, um, i got to be honest with you. Josh, the foremost authority on Oklahoma State information is Robert Allen. But the man who appears to get a lot of traction on Twitter.com is uh, Greg Swaim. And Greg said that he hears he's going in the portal. Now, again, I don't know if Swaim just made that up to try to get you guys fired up. But interesting. Swaim, though, uh, also has Colorado and Arizona and Arizona State and Utah in the Big 12 by nightfall. Oh, wasn't that six months ago by nightfall? It, it was. Um, NIL deals seem to be okay for Sanders, but I don't know. I, I think he would be a guy that would be wanted in the transfer portal, but we'll see. So that's, that's – I will say this. Um, Oklahoma State was a drastically different team with and without him. That's for certain. Oof. You guys want to make fun of Davis Bevel. Holy smokes, Oklahoma State. All right, that's one. Number two – were you as shocked as I was when Luke Fickle took the Wisconsin job? I was blown away, man. I was absolutely blown away. Given that he hasn't, I guess, taken other opportunities, yeah, to some degree. I don't know that I was knocked me over backwards, blown away. But uh, surprised, sure. I mean, I think it's, a on paper, a really good hire. Ah, gotcha. By the way, Mike in Springfield says that the removing of the Islamic Nation logo in the middle of the Iranian flag was no accident. I mean, listen, again, when you're getting into these geopolitical issues, I'm out. I'm just like, I'm out. So, there. I just, I worry about this on a much different level now than I did as far as just a game is concerned for tomorrow. That's me. Um, But no, back to the point. I don't pretend to understand a lot of coaches' situations and what their personal lives are like and things of that nature. But Luke Fickle seemed to be a guy that was pretty set in Cincinnati. Um, They have six kids. It had kind of been viewed that maybe he was a guy that, you know, Ohio State would turn to at some point if Ryan Day went to the league. But now he's – I mean, I think this is a heck of a hire. And I guess he was getting frustrated with some of the NIL stuff at Cincinnati that it wasn't to the level – they were losing recruiting battles because of it. Um, number two, is, you know, those same rumors that kind of surrounded when Lincoln left. Where it's like, oh, they Lincoln was worried about the commitment to the SEC and blah, blah, blah. Some were thinking that Luke Fickle was worried about the commitment to the Big 12. So – and not necessarily that it would be any harder for Cincinnati, but just the resources committed to the university. And thirdly, I guess he got bent about the Notre Dame situation because he wanted to be involved in that process and wasn't. So, that, that he wasn't 
a serious candidate yeah. for Notre Dame. Yeah. So he started to realize, all right, I, I, let's go. You know, I, maybe I maybe it's time for me to move on to do something else. That's the athletics reporting on. I'm blown yeah. away by it. Absolutely blown away. Well, and it appears to be a home run hire, right? Based on what Fickle has accomplished at Cincinnati, though. Let's let's wait and see, right? Wisconsin has done a lot of winning. Yep. And seems like a great match, but home run hires, we've done this before where it just doesn't always work out. Marcus Arroyo just got fired at UNLV. How about that? Um, I think Leonard would have been a fine choice for Wisconsin, but obviously they, they went out of house. Yep, absolutely. Abs- you know what I was just thinking about, too? Oh, Cade McNamara entered the transfer portal as a grad transfer. Yeah, the Michigan quarterback. Keep an eye on Charlotte, Oregon State, and Iowa. Josh, there you go. Iowa, potentially for Cade McNamara, according to Cole Thompson, who covers college football for Sports Map Radio. The hell is Sports Map Radio? Yeah, well, literally any quarterback that's played Power 5 football that enters the transfer portal should be on Iowa's radar. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh, it's 1149. All right. Uh, top five things that we need to see to get this team back to being elite next to wrap up this edition of the Plank Show. All right, we're at Newcastle Casino tomorrow with the show. So, supposed to be out there today, but boy, wasn't really feeling it this morning. I'm not going to lie. I was I was illin', illin' like a villain. So, I'm going to get Steel Man sick as my goal. Are you ready? Here's my top five things. Top five ways to get back to being elite. Which, by the way, is presented by Newcastle Casino. Number number five, patience. Number four, patience. Number three, patience. Number two, patience. And number one, patience. But if you want to drill a little deeper because you're impatient like I am, Say linebacker depth. It wasn't there. It's an important position in this defense. Um, I think you'd have a cup. You're going to have a guy that plays a lot of snaps. All right, you're, this isn't rotation central. You're going to have a guy that plays a lot of snaps. You don't want to take Teddy Lehman off the field. You don't want Rocky Calmus and Torrance Marshall on the bench. But it'd be nice if someone's screwing it up that you can turn to a Kip Lewis or Jaron Canick or. Yeah, whatever's out there in the portal. So, LB depth. Uh, it, it's funny. I saw Alan, blatant homerism, Alan Kinney tweet this today and it made me laugh. Uh, we need to get better on the defensive line. We need to get the best defensive lineman set every single college football team in the country right now. So, add Oklahoma to that list. Get, get some D-line depth in the portal. I'm a firm believer that the standard is the standard. How you do anything is how you do everything. I'm a firm believer in it. But to me, I think you take inventory and adjust where necessary. Standard is the standard. I'm not saying you make practices easier. I'm not saying that suddenly you start uh, making it where you just change the whole schedule. But maybe you look at doing practices in the morning and classes at night. Maybe you look at shortening this day or that. And they did as the season went on, they progressed. But I think you would just to find ways to make sure that you're getting the best out of your guys and their attention is locked. I think you need a better third down package. <laughs> I don't know what that is or what that looks like, but 
You know, uh, Teddy and Gabe said something during the broadcast that it seemed as if whenever Texas Tech would would bring everybody, uh, Oklahoma didn't have a a hot read, or if they did, Dylan Gabriel was not was not was not finding it. You want to add anything else in there, Josh? I know you've got a list too, but linebacker depth sh- continue to shore up that D line, better third down, fourth down plan, maybe an adjustment to the schedule in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I would. To that note, I just wrote introspection. Sure, yeah, and I think that's that goes along with what I was saying, right? Yeah, and, and I mean that holistically, across the board, introspection. Everything you do is uh, is what you do, right? How you, you do everything change. is how you do anything. That's right. Wait, and, how you do anything is how you do everything, sorry. And just looking at, hey, okay, what did we get right? What did we get wrong? Introspection, uh, play call perspective, just all of it. I think that's... Uh, Clearly, they got to get some things fixed, and whatever whatever they drill down and f- identify, they need to they need to seriously look uh, you know within themselves. I think as a coaching staff, first and foremost, right, right. It starts there. Uh, continuity very important. Should try and avoid a transfer portal exodus after this six and six season. I mean, whatever recruiting of your own campus, we've heard Brent Vittables say it a lot. We gotta every day be recruiting our own own locker room. Sure. So that's gonna be a battle that I think they're gonna have to fight. This uh, this next week here and beyond. That's that's part of it. Defensive line, it does need to improve. I know blatant homerism. I, I don't disagree with the kind of uh, tongue in cheek statement there, but look, they got to get better. They didn't have to me a momentum creator up front, and they've had that guy even with bad defenses. There's been a striker. There's been an oboe. This defense didn't have one. They need to find that guy. Um, and I would also add that. There is a party yep. going oh, on in the hallway. Yep, photo guy is pumped. My gosh. Um, live Mike. I would add that when you talk about recruiting your own locker room and stuff, I think there's a few guys that you're okay if they go. And I think that's the case everywhere. De-recruiting some of your locker room? I, I think it's okay to say, hey, man, you that portal. Might be fun for you. Check it out. But we got a day of introspection here on The Ref. We'll see you back here tomorrow live from Newcastle Casino.